Father, as we look around and we see the beauty of everything that surrounds us, we can't help but think of you and who you are and what you have created for us. The beauty and the majesty of seeing your face in all that surrounds us. Thank you for that opportunity. Father, I pray that as we look to your word, you would encourage our hearts and guide our hearts closer to you. That you would help us to understand the relationship that we can have with you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity this morning. I pray that you would sharpen our minds and open our hearts to what it is your word says today. In Jesus' name, amen. Not going to lie, I was hoping that nobody looked up the Version Live event before they came, because we're going to talk about suffering. And I thought that might thin the crowd a little. <laughs> but I have kind of a unique look at suffering, because biblically, we're supposed to see things differently. It's difficult, but as we think about what matters... Suffering in our lives matters, and what you think about it matters. How you see it worked out throughout your life. I've heard it called biblical worldview. I've heard it called the long view. And that today is probably what I would encourage you to keep cycling through. Our ability to take the long view of things. We're not encouraged to do that a lot. We're encouraged to to buy what is right in front of us, to live our best life now. These kinds of phrases, whether you're talking about from the television or from radio or wherever you're at, it surrounds you, right? Nothing really tells you to be patient, (laughs) to take your time, to maybe see that God is doing something bigger than us. And so we're constantly reminded to be in a hurry, and suffering doesn't work that way, does it? Suffering interrupts our plan. Suffering slows us down and creates tension in life, and so that's one of the reasons why we dislike it so much. Aside from its natural pain and the inclination to to run from pain, it messes up what we want, doesn't it? Isn't that really the core of it? And yet it doesn't have to be that way. If we look at it biblically and understand it, we can take a longer view of things. And the Bible does this over and over and over It gives us stories of suffering that don't always work out inside of that present situation. Not even maybe inside of that generation. But yet God brings out good in the long view of things. And that's one of the most difficult things and we'll talk about it inside of this series, I'm sure, is to understand that God has a longer view of things than we do most of the time. What He has in store, what He has in mind, may not have anything to do with you and what you're going through right now today. 
but where you will be in five years or where your children may be. (laughs) It's a much longer view of things. And when you're in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, it's one of the most difficult times to pay attention. But yet God uses that to slow us down on purpose. To get us to pull away and listen. To get us to stop, rest, reevaluate, re energize, and be prepared for what he's going to do next. The opportunity to embrace suffering is. Not something anybody wants to think about this morning, right? But some of you have had to choose to go through things with your head up in your life. Some of you have walked through them today and understand immediately what I'm talking about, that that when you had this thing happen years ago that you didn't understand Now you have a better understanding today than you ever did. Humanly speaking, it's very difficult to explain, and so I won't really try. (laughs) I'm going to rely on what God gave to us, His Word. A story that I would like to start with, and I'll just encapsulate it in a few phrases, because it covers multiple chapters inside of the book of Genesis. The very first book of the Bible, we see this story unfold for this poor teenage kid named Joseph. Right? And if you've read the story, it starts somewhere in chapter 24, I believe, of Genesis and runs all the way to the end of like 50. Chapter 50 is what we'll look at in the last phrase just because I want to sum it up, but... In the midst of Joseph's life, he goes from being the favorite son, right? The the many-colored coat, the thing we write the musical about, right? He has the opportunity to be that position. The favorite son ends up in a pit, (laughs) thrown literally into a hole in the ground somewhere in the desert by his brothers, only to be sold into slavery to a band of traveling merchants, finds his way to Egypt, ends up as the head of a household there because he takes the longer view of things. He could have easily put his head down and buried himself in that household, right? But he didn't. He used the tools that God had already given him to rise to be the head of the household only to be accused of sexual immorality with the household's wife thrown back into jail while in jail rising to the head of the 
we'll say that the highest you could get inside of the prison system, the most freedom that he would have been allowed to have, and then ends up as the second in command of all of Egypt. This favorite son, through all of this stuff, could have stopped at any one of those points in his journey. He could have given in to the despair of his circumstance. But he didn't. And I find it incredible that God puts this story in the first book of the Bible. To illustrate to His people what their life is going to be like. Because if you follow the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, that's what it looks like, right? Rise and fall, and rise and fall, and rise and fall. And if you're a believer, you know what it's like to live in that world sometimes too. Joseph, his life encapsulates exactly what God is going to do over the span of his time frame. And at the very end, he's the second in command of all of Egypt. He ends up as the deliverer of his family from an incredible famine situation, saves his family, and then you know it goes on to save the entire nation through him. That epic journey that Joseph was on was illustrative of what God will do over the long haul. Joseph sums it up this way, after having gone through all of it and sitting with his brothers and his father, his father thinking that he was dead for many years, his brothers being the ones that started this horrendous journey, he looks at them and says, don't be afraid, and don't miss this part, because we overlook this phrase, right? But Joseph looks at them and says, don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? He knew immediately this journey wasn't about him. That as angry as he could have been over all of the things that had happened to him, he knew God was in control. And that is the key to overcoming suffering. To understand at the core that God is good. That He has eternity in mind more than today. More than the meal we are going to consume. And whether or not our server refills our glass enough at lunch. That's not suffering, folks. Sorry. Sorry. 
Joseph says, am I in the place of God? And understands in that moment as he sees the nation of Israel, what's left right in front of him. He understands in that moment, God had done something good. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. God had put Him in a place to administer grace to the very people that had started His suffering. And at the very end of all of it, Years, decades later, as He stands in front of them, then He gets it. He understands more completely in that moment why it had to happen that way. How else was Joseph going to end up in Egypt? How was he going to get there outside of... Because you got to understand the tribalism that was alive and well in all of that area of the world. And Israel chief among them, right? (laughs) Joseph of his own free will was not going to Egypt. He had a place that God had given him there and that's where he was going to stay. As we apply it to ourselves, one of my key passages for for me in my life is Romans chapter 5. It's Romans chapter 5 and it's verses 1 through 6. And for me, I use it as I think about it, I, I, I process it by by how I go on hikes. And some of you have heard this over and over and again for 15 years because it's something that is evocative to me. It's it's something that I can do to be a part of what the Bible is trying to teach. And so I've had an opportunity on several different occasions to take a hike that gets me to a place above the tree line is the way that it's phrased. Because trees only grow so high on the sides of mountains. And so therefore the view is only obstructed by the trees when you're at that level. And as you get above the tree line, things become more clear. But it takes work because that tree line is a long way up the side of a mountain. It takes a long time sometimes to get to a point of clarity. To a point where you can see things more clearly the way God sees them. That's what Joseph's life was all about. Continuing to climb. Continuing to climb. Finally getting to a place where he could see more clearly what God was doing all along. Sometimes we get hung up being angry at the trees. 
we stop and we think, I wish I could just see from here, <laughs> right? But these trees are in my road, and God is saying, yes, but the trail hasn't stopped yet. <laughs> Keep going. So as I read Romans, that's what I visualize. When I read this passage, I see the trail because that's what I do, right? That's my mindset. Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, you've chosen the trail. You've picked the direction. You understand who Jesus is and you have faith in Him and you've set your feet on the path. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The beginning of most trails, there's a trail head pointing you on to the trail, identifying where you are, the place where you now stand, right? Your life is summed up in these things. We have gained access by faith into grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, mile one, right? Perseverance, then character, mile two. And character, hope, mile three, four, five, six, eight. We don't know how long necessarily till we get to where we see above the tree line. But hope does not disappoint us in some translations in the NIV it says it does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us you see at just the right time while we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly at just the right time. Not my time. You have a choice in some of these circumstances. Why this passage to me is so woven into the fabric of who I am is because I look at the Bible as an entire inclusive narrative of what God is doing from the beginning of time until the end of time. That's a pretty long journey. We're just part of it. As we understand our sufferings and begin to embrace them and, and as... The writer of Romans says we glory in them because we get to do those as well. It's easy for me to stand up here and talk about giving away coats and things and saying we get to do this, but guess what? 
We get to be a part of suffering because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance makes you stronger. As you persevere and you keep your head up, you develop your character. Perseverance becomes part of who you are. The suffering has now transformed you into a better person. And as your character develops and you analyze the circumstances of all of your life, you begin to see the hope of your situation. You've gotten to the place where things become more clear in life. That you understand, I had a choice at one point in my life, I could descend into the despair of my circumstance. Or I can choose to ascend to the hope of Jesus Christ. I have that choice every day. That's what we get to do. He's not going to force you. Sufferings are not about just breaking your will. (laughs) Sometimes we need our will shaped to His purposes, yes. There are times when suffering brings out things in our life that allow us to deal with those things and then become more and more like Jesus. To define our character the way that the Bible wants it to look. Not the way that feels the best. Will I decide to descend into the despair or ascend into hope? Understanding entirely that suffering is not in control of that decision. The suffering is not in control. Remember what Joseph said? God is in control. The situation may look dark. It may be painful. But you still have a choice. A choice to believe that what God is doing over the long view will be right and good as is His nature, (laughs) or if He's just beating you up because He enjoys it and you will wallow in your despair. That's your choice. I'm not going to tell you callously that I have never struggled with despair. There have been times in my life when I have been so frustrated that I have wanted to just walk away from everything and move to Montana and trout fish, right? Because it seems easier that way sometimes. But God could still send me out there with all the wrong flies. And I would be just as frustrated and warped Because I didn't look at who was in control of the situation. Because I didn't choose to ascend into the hope that He gives me in every situation. That eternity will come. 
we think of it as the worst possible thing that could happen. Right? Reality is, nobody wants eternity because that means reality's over. <laughs> that means you're dead. God says that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> because we can't even understand what it will be like. That's why we struggle in the everyday to, to suck in all the pleasure that we can. And God says you don't have any idea the scale to which pleasure is rated on. <laughs> I have a phrase as well that used to hang in my office back here and now hangs on a picture in my living room. And it has four pictures of a hike that I took in California in Icebox Canyon. It was about 9,000 feet up above the tree line. And the tragedy of life is not what people suffer. The tragedy of life is not what people suffer. It is what they miss. That phrase has stuck with me for 20-some years. Because every time I choose to descend in despair, I only am looking at myself and my circumstance, and I have no idea what I'm missing up there. <laughs> The thing that drives me to continue to do what I do for a living is to see people catch a glimpse of what God is doing in our world. For them to understand what He is a part of. The things that we often miss because we're focused on our suffering as we see it our discomfort, and we miss what God may be doing. It has revolutionized the way I try to think about life even. It's not easy, and I'm not going to say again that I do it all the time, but a practice is to always assume that the person that is treating me poorly is suffering much more than I am. Because as a general rule, hurting people hurt people, right? That's how it works. They want you to feel as badly as they do. And if you can allow yourself to process it that way and be moved as Jesus was over and over by compassion, it will change your day. And you might just instill some hope in the person that's trying to hurt you because you didn't return evil for evil.
The tragedy of life is not what people suffer, it is what they miss. I feel sorry for those people that have descended so far into their despair that they can't see what God is doing. Hebrews 12 kind of sums it up and puts it to me in its proper context of our relationship with Christ. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, all of that despair, all of that worry, all of that concern, right? Throw off all those things that hinder, all of the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Nothing in here tells me to look at other people's races either. Right? Keep your eyes on your own race. (laughs) Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. And for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus knows what you're going through. On a scale that we don't understand. And yet the night before He was crucified in the garden, He struggled too, didn't He? Knowing full well that He had a choice to make to ascend into hope, to be the hope maker. (laughs) And yet He struggled because He knew suffering was coming. And in that moment, he said, Lord, not mine, but your will be done. I'm going to choose to take the long view. To believe that my God has a plan that encompasses all of my pain and turns it into good. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses is a great phrase too in this journey. You're not alone, folks. (laughs) Again, Joseph starts off the suffering train, right? And as you read through the minor prophets and Job and other people, if you read through the Old Testament and you understand the plight of the Israelites for 40 years in the desert only to get to the promised land and mess it up and spend 40 more years in the desert, right? That's the reality of the long view. And we are surrounded by a a cloud of witnesses. They're all recorded for us 
to be encouraged that God works things out. The stories of God's using painful circumstances for good. Why? Because we need to be reminded of those who have gone before. That you are not alone. That not only are we following Jesus who has endured the cross and its shame for my purpose, but yet there are also all of these other folks throughout the entire volumes of Scripture in which God has worked suffering out for good. Read the Psalms and David who was anointed the king of Israel and yet spent years living in caves, treated as a thief, chased by a king that wanted to kill him. These stories are throughout the Scriptures. Only to end one way. The glory of God. Because just as Joseph said, am I in the seat of God? Am I the one that's writing the story? Careful which seat you choose. Because what you think about your suffering matters. The two things to this week. Maybe you have found yourself in the midst of pain and you need to hear that you have a choice to ascend to hope. That it can happen. It starts with letting somebody know. (laughs) To allow someone to comfort your pain. Maybe your world is going pretty well right now and you don't have time for people who are bringing you down. The tragedy of life is not what people suffer, it is what they miss. Don't run so fast past them that they miss it. If you are a believer, then you offer hope. Don't try to avoid suffering so much so (laughs) that you never get to help. Allow yourself to be compassion to someone. Allow yourself to be comforted by someone. Wherever you find yourself in that journey. What you think about your suffering matters. 
God has a plan, and it's much longer than anything we can think or imagine. The opportunity is there. I pray that you have trusted Christ first and foremost with all of that pain, with your entire life. That's the place that it starts. Until you set your feet on that path, I don't know where you're going. (laughs) You don't really know where you're going. God has the long view in mind, and He cares deeply about what's going on as it pertains to His story throughout history. Father, I pray that You would would use us as a body of believers to continue to be an encouragement to those around us. That as we go through hardship, we we find a way to continue to ascend into hope and, and allow others to see that that our hope is not here in this physical body or this world or what it is that we own, but that our hope and our life is tied solely to Jesus Christ and the hope of eternity. It's a weighty responsibility. Father, I pray that most of all in these sufferings, these things that we go through, that we would bring glory to You and help others see that Your intent is for good and not to harm. That You love us. And that given the circumstances of our life right now, we have a choice to ascend to hope. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to do that. Thank You for Your Son and for His example to us for Your Word and for the stories that that give us hope that we can continue to read and embrace and to know that You are faithful, that You are our Deliverer. Thank You, Father, for those things. In Jesus' name, Amen.